We don't beat you over the head with our opinion, and we listen to yours. The new face of talk radio, Voice America Women's Radio Network. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. I am your social worker with the microphone on Voice America Women's Network. My co-host, Lauren Beller, who's out on the road. And we've got a great show coming up in this hour. Our first guest is going to be Arch Lustberg, like that name, Lustberg. And he's, he's written four books, but his new book is Using How to Sell Yourself. How to Sell Yourself. Uh, we all need to know how to sell yourself. And uh, using leadership, likability, and I think likability is the key word, and luck to succeed. Well, we're succeeding, Lauren. How are you this morning? Did you know we have number one on the women's channel this I month? The did. Morning. I just saw that this morning, and I didn't even get a chance to respond to you. That's excellent. Yeah, so cool. So we're doing something right. We have to tell Arch. Anyway, I, I think he's on the line. He's ready to go. But we also coming up uh, also in this I don't know, this half hour is Lauren Fix, another Lauren. She's uh-huh. the uh, car coach. And uh, Dr. James Gordon, he's written a book, Depression is Unstuck, Depression is Not a Disease. And The Mouthtrap, Dr. Siegel, he's a Ph.D., Strategies, Tips, and Secrets to Keep Your Foot Out of Your Mouth. So we've got a lot of communication stuff going on this morning. But let's say hello, Lauren, to Arch Lusberg. Um, Good morning, how ladies. How are you? I woke up this morning. You did. It doesn't <laughs> get here. better. It does not get better than that. And no, I it see, doesn't. I see both of you were smart enough to join me. Yes, we are. And I, I have to say one more thing about you, Arch, because it says that on your website, and go to, you can go to your website, or li- listeners should go to your website, Arch Lesberg Communications, leader in the field of dynamic communication. You've coached governors, congressional leaders, presidential appointees, and business leaders. I mean, you've done it all, right? I have done it all. Okay. So your new book, How to Sell Yourself. Um, you say use your mind, your face, and your body. How do we do that? Wow. <laughs> my, my subject, truly, is likability. When the audience likes you, they're going to pay attention to your message. When they don't like you, they turn you off. They turn off your message. And so <clears throat> your mind, your face, and your body are three of the four tools by which you achieve likability in your delivery. Your mind is your your content or your substance or your competence, your face and body are your style, your likability. But if you're not competent, if I don't perceive you as competent, I can't like you as well. So it all boils down to likability, which wins the job, the promotion, the sale, the election, and the acquittal, all of the above. So if you want to win, you have to develop your, your innate likability, which you tend to lose when you're speaking in public or testifying in court or making uh, a campaign speech as a politician. The politicians are my favorite subject because everyone knows them. They're all familiar with the people who've been running for president. Arch, let's take, I want to take, because I think this is really current and applies to your book and exactly what you're talking about. 
uh, being able to connect with your audience. Let's take Michelle Obama because she's trying, I think, to change her image. She said some things that people don't like. You know, this is the first time. I don't even like to repeat it, but uh, she made that comment about this is the first time in history she's been proud of her country. Okay, she's got to kind of backtrack on that one. They want to change her appearance, like her, her face, her hair. You know, how does she do that? And does she need to do that? She, well, <laughs> obviously she needs to do it uh, because she got such bad media coverage. But we all tend to say things the wrong way. McCain has said things the wrong way. Obama has. Michelle, uh, Hillary, they, they're all guilty of the, the spontaneous remark that doesn't sound, that doesn't mean what it sounds like. And so she... She has to explain who she is, and, and as I said about Hillary, I'll say it about Michelle, they've got to prove motherhood. There's, we don't want a commander-in-chief. We don't want the wife of a candidate. We want someone's mother, friend. We want to like the people. When Hillary almost broke down in New Hampshire, she overwhelmed America. They, they loved her. Even the people who hated her said, it must be an act. They didn't believe the sincerity of the breakdown. Now, she didn't cry, but she, she choked up. And that, there's nothing wrong with that. We haven't heard Michelle talk about her two girls. I'd like to hear what one of her daughters said when she came home from school. Do you follow I do follow what you're saying, but I have a concern. I don't know about you, Lauren, but that something about it isn't. Does it get away from the authenticity? Does she have to? I mean, she, I mean, because she has to talk about well, you said motherhood um, and her two girls and her family. Um, is that authentic? I mean, is that the authentic Michelle? Or well, just... see, I think I think the whole the whole secret of successful communication is the ability to be your real self in a strange speaking situation. Uh, let, let me illustrate this with the politician. The politician wants, the, the, those running for president, want you to see commander-in-chief. They never let you see the real person. My classic remark is Bob Dole. He, he's, he's my classic example. He did everything wrong. He wanted you to see the former majority leader of the United States Senate. He said to David Letterman, three nights after he lost, he said these phenomenal words, now I can go back to being myself. Wow. Al Gore's best speech, his concession speech, he spoke from the heart. This is what got Michelle in trouble. She spoke from the heart. She meant to say, she was prouder now than she's ever been, but she said, first time I've ever been proud. Well, <clears throat> had she said it the right way, it was from the heart, and had she said it the right way, she would never have had a, a, an adverse reaction. All right, so what you have to do is not sense. just what you're saying. You, you, in other words, Archer's saying, okay, you speak from the heart, but there is a way of saying it if you're a public figure. And that's what you, in your book, How to Sell Yourself, uh, you give us the tools to be able to do that, to be able to promote our authentic self, but you have to do it in a certain way. Is that what you're saying? How to think on your feet and deliver the right message. 
but not the canned message, the from the heart message. In other words, the, the, the political consultants are saying, look, when you're asked a question, answer with one of these six points, and the candidate never answers the question. You're, I hope you agree with, if, even if you don't agree with me, I hope you follow me on this. Yeah, I follow you. Lauren, do you follow him? I actually agree with him 100%. <laughs> See, I didn't say that. I'm not sure, but... <laughs> no, actually, really, I don't, there's a difference in how when I speak. If I speak from the heart and I speak authentically and deliver a quality message that, a, a message that I truly believe in, it's received exponentially well. And we'll see the real you. I mean, even, even if you harbor biases, we'll then see those biases. Because exactly. you're from the heart. Yeah. So what do you think about Obama? What, what is his, you know, I see him, and, and the more I see him, I mean, he's a brilliant guy, and I'd like you to comment on him, Arch, because there's something about him when I see him in on television that feels like a disconnect. Like, I don't feel like he's connecting to me. I like what he has to say, but I don't, there's some kind of an affect that well, I in, feel. In my book, I talk about the use of your face. Obama has two very prominent frown lines, and I call that a closed face. When you narrow your eye slits and produce those vertical lines, you're, you're closing the Venetian blinds that let me see into your soul. The eyes are the window to the soul. George W. Bush and his father, two very prominent vertical lines, closed face. Closed face suggests Anger. It can often be deep thought. It can often be concern. But perception is when you're frowning, you're angry. And Obama frowns a lot, and he looks down at his script at the wrong times. So he's talking down to the script rather than making eye contact <clears throat> with his audience or with the camera. So I think those two things, his eye contact and his closed face. And the third thing is his vocabulary. He and Michelle are both using words that average people don't use. Their education is showing. And I think that's something that they should try to, uh, to make a little bit more common. See, I disagree with you. I don't know how you feel, Lauren. I, I feel finally there's somebody, a leader, because he's not one of us. He's not the common person. He's the leader of our country. Yes. But he, that they, he needs, I, that's the part of him that I like, that he speaks well. I mean, in, I, don't, I wouldn't even compare him to George Bush, to be honest, but I think that that's one of, to me, one of his strengths. This is a man who has got a very complex situation that he's going to have to deal with worldwide, and he sounds like somebody who is able to do that. Well, but notice the angle of his head. His chin is elevated. He looks like he's talking down. And when he uses ex exotic language that we're not used to hearing, he, he seems to be better than we are or consider himself better than we are. I like the man. He's a I, leader, though, isn't he? Isn't he not better, but he is leading us? Or yeah, we... but we want our friend to lead us. We don't want our professor to lead us. We don't want the socialist, uh, the, the uh, social commentator to lead us. We want our best friend. Well, isn't that what happened with George Bush and we got into some big trouble? We wanted the guy that 
we only have a minute left. <laughs> well, but that's what got him elected. Yeah. Al, Al Gore was uh, a very neutral, and we didn't particularly care about him. They need you. <laughs> I don't know which one. I don't know which side of the fence you're on, but I, oh, you know. That's, that's what my pride and joy is that my Republican clients think I'm a Democrat, and my Democratic clients think I'm a Republican. And that's, how you, <laughs> and that's why your book, critic. How to Sell Yourself, works so well because obviously you practice what you preach. You can buy the book online, bookstores everywhere. How to Sell Yourself Using Leadership, Likeability, and Luck to Succeed, Arch Lusberg. Thanks for being on the show this morning. Well, thank you for making me available to the ladies. Yeah, it's great. Lauren <laughs> <laughs> Beller, Catherine Zox, Voice America Women's Network, thank you very much for listening to us this morning. We are the number one show on Voice America Women's Channel this month. We're, and uh, you can give us a call if you want to, by the way, at 866-472-5787. We'll be back in a minute. Talking about what you care about. News, relationships, health, finances. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. Are the days passing by faster than you can believe? Do your kids, job, pets, family, errands, and life demands leave no time left for you? Listen to Life Tune-Ups with Lauren Slocum each week. You can have it all, balance it, and truly enjoy your life. Be ready to have fun, laugh, and learn from celebrities and everyday heroes. We don't need an entire life overhaul, just a little bit of tweaking for our lives to be what we want. Life Tune-Ups with Lauren Slocum, every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Women's Network. Your life is waiting for you. What would happen if you didn't follow the established path? If you did the unexpected? Would you feel scared? Proud? Relieved? Could you explain that helping the people of Peru improve their own community would also have an effect on your own? Or assisting an entrepreneur in Ukraine to launch her small business? or creating a support group in Malawi for children orphaned by AIDS. What if you established your own path, one that others might follow? Would you rather make your own way or spend your life saying, what if? Life is calling. How far will you go? Peace Corps. To find out more, call one 800 424 8580 or go to Corps.gov. If you've tried everything on the market and can't seem to get the radiant results you want from your skincare routine, it's time you stop shopping and start listening. Skin Health Today will help you take charge and start making smart choices for a lifetime of radiant skin and positive self-image. Join host Celeste Hilling and her esteemed panel of experts every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for Skin Health Today on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
We don't beat you over the head with our opinion, and we listen to yours. The new face of talk radio, Voice America Women's Radio Network. listening to the Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back to the Catherine Zox Show. You're a social worker with a microphone with Lauren Beller, my co-host, Voice America Women's Network. And if you didn't hear us in these first 15 minutes, ladies, we are the number one show on the Women's Channel on Voice America Women's Network. I'm so and give us a call. You know what? I never give this number out. I always forget. After the show, I say, why don't I give the number out if anybody wants to call in? Guest call in number. Uh, you can call one eight six six four seven two five seven eight seven. Hey, Lauren. Guess what? Uh, I just got back four days in Switzerland. You were in Switzerland. I was in Switzerland. Did I tell you? Did I miss that? No. How did I miss that? Well, you missed it because I was only there for four days. Went to hear Zox. They were at the Greenfield Festival, 25,000 people in Interlaken, Switzerland. <laughs> Only you. Yeah. Uh, but I have to say something. I have a real, you know, I'm very concerned. And I want to talk about this with you because, uh, you know, our, and we've talked about this on the show, our whole infrastructure in America, it seems to be crumbling. And it's like a major, very. It's, it's very scary and it's a major issue. Uh, it doesn't matter whether it's our, um, you know the flooding in uh, in the Midwest, our train system, our airplanes, all of that stuff. And I guess the reality of that, when I went to Switzerland, became kind of all-consuming because you know we talk about I went there for four days. Well, you can only go for four days and have a good time if things work out well, and you can do it well expediently, right? Right. We land in Zurich. Uh huh. Yep. Five minutes later, we're on a train, a high-speed train, a train that works, a train that leaves the station every five minutes to go to Interlochen, which is two hours away. I uh-huh. spent trying train. to get to, yeah, I mean, Lauren, trying to get from New York City to Albany, New York, or back again, and I'm doing my show from Albany, New York. It can take me a whole day. Nothing works. The train is old. The tracks are old. Nothing works. There's only three trains a day. Whatever, right? Interesting, yeah. Uh and here's another scary thing that happened. I mean, okay, everything in Switzerland does work very well organized. It, things are new. Uh, the airport is new. Uh, it doesn't take hours to go through security. I can go on and on. I just want to finish with this story because, Lauren, we get there, and I hadn't exchanged my money, so we went to the hotel, put our bags in, went out on the street, and Barry, my partner, boyfriend, is a photographer. Well, I just want one of those throwaway cameras that uh, so I can take the pictures that I want to take. Yep. I'm always saying, take this picture, and then he says, well, why don't you get a camera and take the ones that you want to take instead of telling me what to take? Um, so I went into one of those kiosks, and you know, a magazine store thing, and I said to the woman, and I got a, the camera was $20, so I didn't. I was, gave her my a Visa card, and she looked at me, and she said, we don't take credit cards. Okay. I said, well, she said, do you have Swiss francs? And the franc, the exchange rate is about one-to-one with American dollar. And I said, no. I said, she said, well, okay, do you have any euros? I'll take euros. And I said, no. And I said, but I do have American dollars. She said, And no. she looked at me, she shook her head, and she goes, oh, oh, no, no, no. No, no. I don't take Really? That. And that was like, I have, you know, I travel a lot. And it was like 
this is the first time. Everybody always wants American dollars, but I guess they're not sure tomorrow. It may be worth 40 cents. Who knows? Wow. That's that was, scary. Isn't that scary? That was yeah. very jarring. And um, and that was kind of, I mean, that really set the tone. But anyway, Switzerland was beautiful, and it was uh, a great trip. What can I say? It, 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 sort of, it, it levels the playing field. I mean, it used to be that America was the place. And it's not—it's not seen like that anymore. Our image, our image, our reputation is changing, and it's becoming more equal. I don't even know if it's equal. I think we're lagging behind. I think it, what, what's happened is that Europe, you know, after after the war, they had to rebuild themselves, which they've done, and now they're not only keep uh, keeping up with us, they're they're searching ahead. I mean, if we don't do something about the, this infrastructure, I—I I, 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 mean, when you say our infrastructure, our transportation infrastructure. I mean, infrastructure means our airports, our bridges, our buses, exactly. yeah. our everything that supports the economy and supports our transportation. Um, that's infrastructure, and yeah. even our you know buildings, airstrips. Go, you can go on and on. Ports. It's the way. And what happened is we were so far ahead, and we've built, and we, we have not maintained. No, and it, 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 as, as Barry said to me, interesting concept, Lauren. He said, you know, infrastructure isn't sexy. Americans like sexy stuff. I mean, you and I like sexy stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, people want to see things on television that have sizzle. They don't want to talk about rebuilding the infrastructure. That's boring. It's not sexy. No, but it's critical to making things work. Exactly. Um, oh, we got Lauren. She's ready to go. We found her. Lauren Fick, she's the car coach. She's Hello, how are you? How are you, Lauren? I'm great. Sorry for the miscommunication. Oh, okay. Well, but you're here. I am here and ready to drive. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking about infrastructure, so you may be the person to talk to because, you know, you're the car coach and you talk about, well, what are you going to talk about today? I mean, you have so many things to talk well, about. Well, I got my new book just came out right. and I'll be all around the country signing. I'll be in Detroit on Monday and Washington, D.C. on Tuesday and they got me in Chicago and San Francisco. I'll be everywhere. All right, so what's the new book? Give us the title. The new book is called Lauren Fix's Guide to Loving Your Car. It's everything you need to know to learn about your car and get on with your life. But, Lauren, this is, you know the timing is perfect for this because right now everybody's hating their cars because <laughs> it costs so much to put gas in the car, your bumper to buy, you know, all the stuff that goes wrong with our cars. How can we start loving our cars when we have to pay $4 a gallon or to put gas in the car? Well, it's sort of like a relationship. I'm sure that if you love something, it will love you back, whether it be an animal or a car or your home. You know, you take care of your home. If you've got a little leak, you take care of it, and it takes care of you. But people tend to forget about that. They always have, so it's not like something today. I think we've just sort of learned that over time we forget about that we can do little things to improve our fuel economy, and part of that is our responsibility in driving a little bit different, which is really hard because as Americans, we don't like to, we don't like change, you know. And we and Lauren, we don't like change. We don't like to be limited. We don't like yes. to feel that we have to limit ourselves. That is not a good word for Americans. We no, it is not. We want to run free. But there are some things you can do that are really fun and and make it a challenge. Uh, one of my favorite things to save on fuel is instead of standing in line or or parking in line, basically at the drive-through, which can cost you every two minutes, is costing you half a mile to the gallon. Is crazy. So what I've got is a new rule. I say, get off my buns to get my buns. So I pull in, and I get what I need, and I try to be back before that car that would have been in front of me reaches the menu board. 
and almost 100% of the time I can make it happen. Very cool. So Yeah, a little exercise, too. It's okay. I need to get up and move, you know. <laughs> so we can all do that. That's one hint, or that that's a good one. I like that yeah. one. All right. So and also, it- believe it or not, here's the one that you can do that costs nothing. I, I love to give people things that cost nothing that can help them. And one of those is, believe it or not, tightening down your gas cap. Now, I know I've said this before, but every year, twice a year, the Car Care Council does these car care check lanes, and it's amazing that people hear me. They want to do it, but they don't do it until gas gets over $4 a gallon, and suddenly we're all scampering to uh, to save a nickel here and there. And so, when you so t- tighten down your gas cap. It's 147 million gallons of gas evaporated last year. When you say tightening down, you mean just like putting it on, tightening down yeah, your gas Yeah, they hear cap. that click, 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 click. You should hear it three or four times. I can't tell you how many times I have passed cars, even today, that had a car, a car just passed on the way here. The gas cap was just hanging off, and someone just closed the gas door. And I thought, are you kidding me? No, because that you just passed me on the road. <laughs> That's what I do all the time. I'm driving with my son. He said, "What? I'm thinking about all these other things. I'm glad right. you meant And I've got my gas cap hanging out the back. And uh, now I actually, I have to say, I've been since he was home, and in the past couple of months, I'm, I do that click, click, click. I'm much more conscious of that. Good, okay, so that's good. a good one. Yeah, see, so that's won't nothing. Yeah, and and besides, you know, you paid for it. Why should you let it evaporate? Yeah. Oh, so right. the other thing you can do, so there's a lot of simple things, is checking your tire pressure. And I covered all these things pretty thoroughly, and you know, very fun. I mean, I like to make it fun. I mean, I don't care whether I'm cooking or. Well, working on my computer, life has to be fun because if you make it too serious, it's not fun. And so that's why the whole book was written in this fun method, including how to check tire pressure. And I always tell people, you know, who liked those thermometers that went underneath your tongue when we were kids? Nobody. We use those new digital ones that go in your ear? Yep. So forget those old stick tire pressure gauges. Pitch those in the trash. They cost a nickel anyhow. And get a digital one. And actually, as a bonus, anyone who purchases my book on my website is getting a free digital tire pressure gauge. So I'm offering that along with it. And besides, they're more accurate. And if you use the number inside your driver's door and you check your tire pressure once a month in the morning when it's cold, you can save two to three miles to the gallon. Now, I've gotten a little psychotic. I do it every Sunday now. It's my Sunday ritual. I have breakfast and I go out and I check my tire pressure. <laughs> but, you know, I, I can't believe the difference it really has made. Yeah. Because, the, you know, I, I say this all along, but now I've sort of jumped up because I noticed that FedEx and UPS and all these big services are checking it once a day. But they have heavy loads. We don't have heavy loads. No, but that's something that I think I'm also remiss in doing. I don't know about you, Lauren, my Lauren, my co-host. We got two Laurens on oh. here today. But uh, do you check your tire pressure? I don't do that often. Never, and it's usually never my do. boyfriend. You know, it's like I have to say, Lauren, Lauren Fix. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's the one who says if you checked your tires lately, and then I'll say, well, why don't you just check them? That's okay as long as it gets done. Okay, it doesn't matter whether he does it or not. Little bending and stretching is good for him, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and besides, you know, if you can use your female woes to get what you need, do it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right, so we got one minute left. Okay. Lauren Fix's Guide to Loving Your Car. Go on Lauren's website because you got all this information there, which is great. And I answer everybody's questions. Whatever question you have about cars, I'm there to answer for, especially if you're in the midst of a problem. People, I must get hundreds of emails a day, and I do answer them myself. Which is great, and like if you're on the road and you have a problem, you could. I always take my computer. I could email you and ask mm-hmm. you, right? You can do right, that. Absolutely. No, I do that. I, I've always done that, and I also have a newsletter that uh, I just hired on some really great young kids. They're real inspiring, and they're helping me expand my newsletter and add more great details to 
to help people because there's so many great questions I get from people. I'm actually thinking about writing another book of just questions from people. How about giving me the names of those kids who are helping you with your uh, <laughs> with your website? That's you know, what I need. Anyway, kids we... and they are so full of energy. I wish I could bottle it and sell it. <laughs> I know. Well, just give me the names. Anyway, great having you on the show. As always, Lauren's always on the show. Of course, she'll be back. Lauren Fix's Guide to Loving Your Car. Go out, buy it. Great. Have a great day. Thank you very much. Be safe and love your car. I will. I love my car. Thanks. We're going to take a break right now. Voice America Women's Network, Captain Zox, your social worker, with the microphone with Lauren Beller. Finally, radio that was made just for you. Voice America Women's Radio Network. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Four years old son, ready for the big leagues. Put your bat on, buddy. There you go, helmet. Silly helmet. Okay, that's right. Your thigh guards. Now don't forget your mouth guard. You don't want to be losing teeth in your first game. Well, they're baby teeth, but yeah, put it in. Anyway. Daddy. Don't let them worry you. They may be over 200 pounds and kind of mean looking, but you're ready for them. Just run through them. Here's the ball. Run! Daddy? Don't look at me. Run with it. Go, boy. Run! But I could get hurt. No pain, no gain. Now run! <laughs> You wouldn't treat your child like an adult, so why put them in adult seat belts? If they're under four foot nine, they need a booster seat. Ah, you should have straight armed them. For more information, go to boosterseat.gov. This message brought to you by the Ad Council and the U.S. Department of Transportation. We talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. You're listening to The Catherine Zoff Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. Thanks for joining us. I'm Catherine Sox with my co-host, Lauren Beller, listening to Voice America Women's Network. And by the way, this month, this past month, we were number one on the Voice America Women's channel. You can give us a call at 866-472-5787. Love to hear your comments. Lauren, did you know that approximately 200 million prescriptions for antidepressants will be written in the United States this year and that patients, insurance companies, the federal government, and taxpayers will shell out about $12 billion for these drugs? And surprise, surprise, there's a growing body of evidence that suggests that they don't really work. So joining us this morning, I'm not going to give you a chance to respond, Lauren, 
is Dr. James Gordon, founder and director of the Center for Mind-Body Medicine in Washington, D.C., a graduate of Harvard Medical School. And he has written a new book called Unstuck, Your Guide to the Seven-Stage Journey Out of Depression, out of depression Without the Use of Antidepression. I can't say it even. Without the use of antidepressants, Dr. Gordon stresses that depression is not a disease, but a sign that our lives are out of balance. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, Dr. Gordon. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Glad to have you here because this is kind of one of the things that has always bothered me about every time. I stay away from doctors for that very reason. It seems to me if I go with the problem, well, even if it's not depression, it's like give you those, they just want to drug you. And, of course, depression is one of those uh diseases or illnesses that, uh, as you say, pharmaceutical companies make a lot of money drugging patients. They do make a lot of money, and doctors, uh, unfortunately, doctors, doctors want to be helpful, and they have been told repeatedly that drug, that depression is a disease and drugs are the way to go. And most doctors actually have not looked at the research literature as closely as they should, and in the, last, in the last few months, there have been studies published, including in America's most prestigious medical journal, the New England Journal of Medicine, showing quite clearly that the drugs really don't work very well at all. In fact, when you look at all the studies, they may not even work better than placebo, than sugar pills. So I think it, what this is, the unstuck is a wake-up call for everybody who's depressed or anxious or confused, and also for all the doctors who are trying to help them but are often coming up short and are often prescribing medications that create as many problems as they may help to deal with. Dr. Gordon, but what's been the response of the medical community to your book? Because you must have gotten a lot of responses to this because you're saying, hey, don't use antidepressants. I mean, and also I have to ask you this because there's different kinds of depression. You know, there's clinical depression, bipolar. I mean, are you talking about bipolar depression as well? I just asked you two questions, but let's start with You asked me two, and I'll, let, me, let me answer them both. The, the, the first one, the response, I, I have not gotten much response yet. The book has just come out. I'm interested in the response. Many of my colleagues, when you talk with them at some length, they will say, yes, but I do see some people who are improved, and they will agree with me. Um, and, and I think the, the issue is not that antidepressants can't reduce symptoms, they sometimes can, but they also cause other problems, and sometimes in reducing symptoms, they keep people from looking at the causes and changing the situations that make them depressed. We become depressed for the most part because of how we live and how we think and how we feel. Um, whatever biological imbalance there may be, and certainly there is one sometimes, you can deal with far more effectively, uh, less expensively, and significantly more happily with natural non-drug means. Like and so what are those natural non-drug means? What do we have to do? Um, and I think, and I don't know if you agree with me, but I think some people just have more of a vulnerability to depression, maybe more sensitive, whatever the reason is. But um, So what are the non-drugs? What can we do? How do we balance our life so that we can either eliminate the depression or modify it? Major, major cause of depression is stress. That's clear to everybody. They're all scientists uh, and clinicians as well. So if you can reduce your level of stress, you are likely to be less depressed, and it will, you will change not only psychologically, you'll change biologically. So there are simple techniques like 
relaxation or meditation. And I teach several simple breathing techniques where you can just sit comfortably and breathe deeply in through your nose and out through your mouth and let your belly be soft and maybe say to yourself, soft belly as you breathe. If you do that for three or five minutes, you don't need to consult a doctor to know if you're feeling better. You will know, as virtually everybody I work with does, that you feel a little bit better. And if you feel a little bit better doing one simple thing for yourself, that will encourage you to do others. Physical exercise is another. Instead of spending, the drug companies are spending hundreds of millions of dollars promoting antidepressants, they ought to be spending, we as a society ought to be spending that money promoting exercise of any kind as a primary treatment for depression. It not only improves mood, and it's been shown in a number of scientific studies, but it also makes you feel good about yourself, makes you feel hopeful. The hallmarks of depression are feelings of helplessness and hopelessness. So all the methods that I teach in Unstuck all help us to help ourselves. So once you start helping yourself, by definition, you're no longer helpless. Once you see even a small change, hope starts coming in. And once hope is there, hope is the major antidote. If I wanted a pill to deal with depression, for me, it would be hope. They're calling you. uh, It would not be an antidepressant drug. So in other words, what you're saying is part of the depression is linked to feeling like you're a victim. And so when you begin to do things as you're taking control, really, uh, you become, you don't feel like a victim. You've you take exercise, you've accomplished something. And when you accomplish something, that builds your feelings of self-esteem and it kind of takes on a a, light, a positive life of its own. But, Dr. Gordon, you also, I mean, you have treated thousands of people and, and people get depressed or anxious, people with chronic illness, cancer, uh, uh, individuals who have been depressed and traumatized by war, all of those kinds of things, or even disasters like post-Katrina uh, victims. I don't even like to use the word victim in New Orleans. So, um you deal with very you deal with depressions that depression that's related to very specific kinds of trauma in one's life. Is that true? I, I deal with, with both kinds. I deal with both the depression that people have, may have had all their lives that they've simply felt down since they were kids or inadequate or um, pessimistic about the world or confused. So I deal with those chronic depressions. And, and yes, the same method that I teach in Unstuck, which anybody who reads the book can, can use at home, on her own, on his own, is also the one that we use in post-war situations, the one that we're using, that we use in ongoing conflict situations. We have a program in Israel and we have a program in Gaza in which we've trained uh, 400 Israelis and Palestinians to use this Unstuck method and to use it with populations who had suffered uh, severe chronic stress, and in the case of Gaza and some parts of Israel, continue to suffer this stress every day. Well, Dr. Gordon, what about here in the United States, as I'm hearing almost daily, that the soldiers coming back from Iraq, the high rate of suicide, which is just unbelievable to me, are we doing anything about that? Because isn't this something that would apply to to your methods and unstuck? Yes, and the military is really, uh, I feel, really facing this problem squarely and and, uh, are interested in approaches like ours that work with the stress, that equip uh, equip military personnel, equip veterans to take care of themselves, and that also, because we often work with groups, 
provide a kind of cohesive unit, very much like the units in which uh, soldiers operate in the military, a cohesive unit which will support them. So we've begun to train uh, people from the military, physicians and nurses and psychologists. We've begun to train people who work at the VAs and people who work in communities that work with the military. And we're going to have a, a major training uh, October 25th to 29th in Minneapolis where we're going to work very significantly with health professionals from the VAs and from the bases in the upper Midwest and also around the country. We happen to be located there because there's a concentration of people who are interested in using our methods. I think it's clear that the military, and the military knows this, that because of the some 300,000 troops who will be coming back with post-traumatic stress disorder or major depression, clinical depression, and another 320,000 who have traumatic brain injury, there's got to be a large-scale program. And we happen to be one of the programs in the world that has a very large-scale program to work with stress and depression uh, and to train our, our – we've trained uh, several thousand people, and we're very much up for training thousands more to use our approach and to use it with individuals and with groups. So the Center for Mind-Body Medicine in Washington, D.C., some any listeners want to be able to contact you online. Sure, they can contact me through the Center for Mind Body Medicine. It's www.cmbmcharliemarybettymary.org. And if they want, they can buy Unstuck through the center's website or buy it in their bookstore or Amazon or Barnes and Noble. And they can look on the website and see what we're doing in these programs. We're a nonprofit and we raise money from private individuals as well as sometimes from government grants from the U.S. government or British government in the past, government of Kosovo where we work, have worked for a number of years. And we welcome people who are both interested in participating in our trainings and helping with this effort, and we welcome people who want to contribute to the work that we're doing. All right, so you're, you're welcoming both. I mean, you're, you want people to become part of the program and learn the program itself so that they can go out and and follow these guidelines that are in Unstuck, your guide to the seven-stage journey out of depression. You know, we only have a minute left. I don't know if you can quickly say we're talking about bipolar. It's kind of like, uh, I don't know if you, you can't really talk about that in 20 seconds, but are well, you saying... I'm not really addressing bipolar disorder okay. in this book. That's yeah. a, it's a more complicated situation. The biological yeah. issues are more complicated. I will say that this approach can be very, very helpful. I've used this approach with many people who are bipolar, but the issue of medication is much more complex with people who are bipolar, and they really need to work intensively. As, as anybody who's on medication, antidepressant medication, also needs to work with a qualified professional if they want to get off the medication, because getting off the medication creates a whole lot of problems that are usually not written about in the medical literature as well. I mean, they're written Thanks about in the medical literature. I, I appreciate your clarifying that and clearing that up, because I know I'll get a lot of people who will... You know, who I'm getting some emails about that. So anyway, about you know that it is kind of it's a different situation with bipolar disorder. But thank you so much for being on the show this morning, James, Dr. James S. Gordon, founder and director of the Center for Mind Body Medicine in Washington D.C., author of Unstuck: Your Guide to the Seven Stage Journey Out of Depression Without the Use of Antidepressants. Have a great day, Doctor. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. You're listening to Voice America Women's Network. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone, with Lauren Beller, my co-host. We're going to take a short break. Don't go away because we have another guest coming up in the next half 
Hour. radio that informs, entertains, and enlightens you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. Are the days passing by faster than you can believe? Do your kids, job, pets, family, errands, and life demands leave no time left for you? Listen to Life Tune-Ups with Lauren Slocum each week. You can have it all, balance it, and truly enjoy your life. Be ready to have fun, laugh, and learn from celebrities and everyday heroes. We don't need an entire life overhaul, just a little bit of tweaking for our lives to be what we want. Life Tune-Ups with Lauren Slocum, every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Women's Network. Your life is waiting for you. Mom? Dad? How long should I wait for you? Mom? If I'm at soccer practice. What if something happens? Will you come get me? Should I stay where I am and wait for you? Or go to Grandma's house since it's closer? Should only pick a place for me? There's no reason not to have a plan in case of a terrorist attack. Mom, if you're not home, should we go to the neighbor's house? How do we keep in touch with each other if the phones don't work? Should I be worried how we all get home? And some extremely good reasons why you should. Can you tell me? Everybody should have a plan. Take five minutes to talk about where you'll meet and how you'll get in touch with each other in an emergency. For other things you can do to be prepared, visit www.ready.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. Radio that informs, entertains, and enlightens you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zoff Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back to The Catherine Zoff Show. Thanks for joining us on Voice America Women's Network. And uh, if you haven't been listening, we have one guest left. And just want to tell you that we are Voice America Women's Channel number one show in May. Right, Lauren? I don't know if Lauren left me or she's still there. Well, anyway, Gary Siegel, Ph.D., Dr. Gary Siegel, The Mouth Trap, Strategies, Tips, and Secrets to Keep Your Foot Out of Your Mouth. Uh, he Actually, Dr. Siegel refers to it as the foot-and-mouth syndrome. And with humor and brilliant insight, as he has been described, Dr. Siegel provides a complete and practical guide to prevent disaster from a mouth gone wild. Boy, do we need that. If you want to present yourself as verbally competent, be conversationally spontaneous, and respond maturely, even in heated discussions, you need to read this book, says Gail Cohen, author of Thinking Outside the Lines and How to Deliver Effective Persuasive Presentations. And you've done this all, oh, he is Dr. Siegel, president of Fly High Productions, motivational 
motivational speaker, coach, consultant, based in L.A. and has worked for all the big companies, including the United States Marines and uh, many Caldwell Banker, et cetera. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Dr. Siegel. Thank you. Thank you. I hope I'm not putting my foot in my mouth No, you're doing a great job. (laughs) (laughs) Too much talking, too much introduction. Let's just, you know, I want to hear what you have to say. Okay. Well, you know, it's a great time for uh, a discussion like this. You know, uh, just yesterday uh, I I watched The View and, um, you know, to see uh, Obama's wife, yeah, see Michelle, talk about what people perceived as a mistake that she made and the way that she, you know, discussed her feelings about America and how she explained uh, just that one adverb, you know, I'm really proud of my country. Uh, they took out that one adverb, so it made it seem like maybe she wasn't so proud of her country in the past, which wasn't what she meant at all. I think a lot of times what we say gets misunderstood, especially when it's not live. You know, when you have a live conversation, you can often tell by someone's expression if they're getting it or not, but on an email or on, or on a television show, on a radio show, it's, it's very hard to perceive that. Have, have you ever been uh, misinterpreted, do you think? Absolutely, and I think emails, it's a, you're bringing up, we can start with emails being misinterpreted. Yeah, if you're not live, well, you can also kind of, you can ask a person, you can, you know, if you're not sure about right. what they said, and there's a, you know, there's a back and forth kind of thing. But now that people are, are you know, emails, you do business, right? Um, and sometimes I get emails from people, and I am offended by them, and I'm not sure whether they meant to be offensive uh, because it's the way they, you know, how they wrote it. It's very difficult to, I think, write back and forth with emails and get the right message across necessarily. Am I saying it right? I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a problem. It's a real problem. It's, it's one of the things that, uh, uh, of all the subjects I, I seem to be training in, email uh, is like the number one need across the country. And in the last chapter of the book, I talk about email road rage, how to avoid it, uh, some tips for, for cheering up your emails, warming them up slightly. A lot of people feel that, that there's this, they, they get a cold email from somebody and then they don't want to react or they don't want to respond. They react instead. So it's how do we create an email where if, we, if we're not really sure who we're writing to, we're not going to upset them. We're not going to get a reaction. And there's some simple little tricks. I mean, it can be as simple as simply putting hi in front of your name. A lot of people who just go right into the email, the reader thinks, God, you are so cold. I can't believe. And then That's also me. Just- that is I, Gary. <laughs> I have to tell you, Dr. Siegel, I do that. I tend to, and I think maybe it is a problem. I mean, maybe I am cold, so I just do that anyway. <laughs> but I just I feel like I don't have enough time, so I just yeah. like... Not always. I mean, I do that if I know the person or if I'm dealing with people that I've emailed, that they know me, and I'm. but if I don't know them, like you say, I do try to say hi. I have some kind of an introduction. I never know how to end it, though. I mean, how do you end it when you're doing a business email? I mean, sincerely sounds ridiculous to me. Very best, best. Tell us, how do you do it? How do you make it so that you communicate effectively in a business way, but there is some warmth to it when you're writing your emails back and forth? Well, probably hugs and XOXO. We can eliminate that that option. But um, regards is good. Thank you is good. Um, I usually send it warm regards, which some people think is a little too warm. Uh, best regards. Uh, it depends on the relationship you're having with your reader. If, if you have an ongoing email relationship, then it almost, you know, it's, it's a simple little thing. Sometimes you just say thanks. Um, if it's the first time you're writing to somebody, I, 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 I happen to think a, a lot of, uh, for example, stockbrokers, I notice, write best 
and they put their name. That's and what I write. Best. Yes, best is cool. It's 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 a very uh, affirming kind of way to end it. Um, one way, by the way, to warm up emails, and a lot of HR managers don't realize it. I don't know if you've ever gotten a, an email that says, uh, please show up at the meeting on Tuesday. And the office person looks at that and goes, oh, you know, one more thing i got to do. Who made you God? Why do I have to do this? Just, just warm it up by adding a reason. Please come to the meeting on Tuesday so that. Give them some compelling reason because I think that's, that's the big question that employees and people ask all across the country. Why do you want me to do that? And if you include that, which doesn't take much longer, maybe 15 more seconds to put a reason in there, a compelling reason, it can warm up an email. Here's one. I think that there are generational differences in the way people write emails, and I can tell how old they are. I don't know if you found this, in the way they communicate by email. Older generation, people like, say, traditionalists, older than the baby boomers, if they are using their computers at all, and some of them do, uh, they email, they have, uh, they tend to write too much stuff. They write it like a letter, like they would be writing, a, you know, a, a snail, like a, just a regular letter. So there's just always too much stuff in there, and I think some of the, you know, you go down, the baby boomers are kind of in the middle, and then you get down to, like, what is it, Generation Y or the Millennials, and it's like for, it's almost like how they text message sometimes. It's really clipped. Well, remember that, that you know, the, the new generation coming into the workplace uh, was raised on texting. Um, I, I was not. I mean, I, I didn't even know I had text messages until my son came back from college and said, Dad, you have 75 text messages. How come you haven't looked at them? <laughs> But, but I had the same thing happen the other day. He said, do you ever look at the picture of that envelope? That means you have text messages, That's right, Mom. that's right. And yeah. I, I never, I've only sent, I think, one or two text messages my whole life, and that was with my son sitting next to me. It's, it's, it takes, it really does take a, a, a different system to poke those little keys, and they make a lot of grammar errors. It's, it's just part of that language. Text language is an abbreviated language. I looked at my emails this morning. I must have four out of the 20 emails that are written in text language. That definitely indicates a generation. You're yeah. right. So it's a very different way of communicating, which is interesting. And now that you have the four generations communicating, doing business together, it creates a very interesting dilemma, I think. That's, you know, like your book, The Mouth Trap, you're giving us strategies, tips, and secrets to keep your foot out of your mouth. But, it, you know, it's, it, it, it's not so easy when you're, dealing with people from 16 to 86, really. And And it's the first time in history, I think, we've had four generations. Yes, it is. So, yeah, um, you know, I give a lot of tips for writing better emails. I talk about the emotional tie that some of us write. There's even a name for that. It's called disinhibition, that when you write an email, you kind of ask yourself, you know, uh, would I put this, uh, would I speak this if I were within hitting distance of somebody? And a lot of times when we're sitting in our cubicle, We put things in that email that we really shouldn't be doing, but we ride that disinhibition. We just kind of let our emotions out, and uh, there's some tricks for avoiding that. And that's really important. I had someone told me that one of the things to make, when you are writing an email, I don't know if you agree with this or not, but... Whatever, however you write it, whether it's long and flowery or short and texty like you do with, on a cell phone, the main thing is, and this is very important, is to make sure that if this email had to go, uh, anyone saw it in a court situation or it was made public, uh, you know, the IRS saw it or whoever, any kind of, you know, any. Don't write anything on an email that you wouldn't want the public to see or to view. Right. Never put anything. Never put anything in writing that could be held against you. It's it's a terrible situation now because even if you wrote, you know, Catherine, if you wrote uh, 
Wow, you know, this morning's fine. I'm, I'm feeling a little lazy, so I may not show up until this time. Have to say goodbye because I didn't hear the music. The Mousetrap, Gary oh, Siegel, okay. strategies, tips, and secrets to keep your foot out of your mouth. Thanks so much for being on the show. All right, thank you. I'm Catherine Sox, your social worker with a microphone. I hope you have a great day, and we will see you next week. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversation with Catherine Zox.